So go and proclaim the good news. That's right. Christ is risen. He is risen as he said. Go and do it. All the toast. Uh, but it is so happy Easter dear listener bask, happy Easter bask in the mercy of God his love the, the, the glory of our risen Lord invite people to, to encounter him at mass invite people to encounter him within your home pray with people tell them you're going to pray for them uh, tell them about your love for Jesus tell them how you hope in the resurrection one day tell them how your faith is making your life better all of these are ways that we can evangelize. All right, so who is your favorite character in The Chosen? Uh, Mike. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. And not so not like your favorite biblical character, but... And how the chosen portrays the apostles, the disciples. Who's your favorite? Yeah, so I mean, I do off the bat. I think John Rumi does a phenomenal job. He is an portraying Jesus, excellent Christ figure, and a unique take too. I think, which I love. I love his his the the emphasis on the the kind of joyful and down to earth. He makes Jesus very down to earth. Like someone who's so clearly in love with his creatures. Yes. Right? Like he's that I just And not mysterious yes. that he's yeah. Yeah, I just think I agree. It's super cool. I so beside him. Yeah. Uh, favorite character. My favorite character, my favorite portrayal, I think just because of how unique the take is is Matthew. I agree 100%. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they you read into Matthew as okay, he's a tax collector. He is going to be have a very weird and awkward relationship with his fellow Jews because what kind of Jew does that? But you know, I never even thought of it. I never thought of that before. Right. Like, but the chosen portrays that beautifully. Yeah. But honestly, I never thought in all my years growing up Catholic, I never once thought, "What do the other Jews think of Matthew?" Right. Like, I just assumed, well, if Jesus accepted him, everybody would accept him. Yeah. Which, I don't know why I would assume that, because that's not how the world works. Right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not what happens. Yeah, same. Like, my brain stopped it, like, wow, how big of Jesus to invite this outcast into the group. But then he still was a tax collector. Yeah, who betrayed his people. Of the people. And all the other 11 are supposed to be like, okay, we're cool with this, right? Okay, I guess that's cool. Yeah, I never once gave that a second thought. Right, there's got to be tension there, right? And, yeah. And also, what kind of a person does that? What kind of a person signs up for that? So the way they invented this backstory, and then you get to Matthew's Gospel, very factual, right? Like, yes. Like, a lot of facts, a lot of fact-checking, a lot of sources, a lot of this is this. And they this, basically this. make Matthew Rain Man. Yeah, he's <laughs> on the spectrum. He's definitely right? on the spectrum, uh, which which is also like just great to the inclusivity of of Christ. I mean, it's yes, I I 100 agree, Matthew. Yeah. But another thing I appreciate about the Chosen, and this is why you should watch it, dear listener. If you haven't watched the Chosen yet, start now. Start in this Easter season. Watch the Chosen. It's amazing. And we're going to um, hopefully this summer show it. We're going to show it outside. outside. We're going to have chosen watch parties every week. More to come on that. Uh, 
But another thing I appreciate about The Chosen is how they like fill in the blanks mm -hmm. and how they introduce some of the apostles that you don't necessarily hear or read about in the scriptures. They just they're just called forth. And one of them is St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. I love how they introduce Thomas. And it's not a big spoiler, but this shows you the creativity behind the chosen. That's what I'm telling you. So Thomas is introduced in the first season at the wedding at Cana. Thomas is the uh, caterer. He's the chef, the cook at the wedding. And his girlfriend, essentially, uh, is the, the vineyard person that brought the wine that they run out of. And so you know his name is Thomas, but you don't really pick up on Thomas the Apostle until Jesus is ready to turn the water into wine, and Thomas is standing next to Jesus in like the little room where he's telling the servants to fill the, the jugs with water. And Thomas looks at him and he's like, I don't understand what filling them with water is going to do. And then Jesus says something like, oh, Thomas, you, you, you doubt so much and you have many more questions to come. And, and at the end of the episode, Jesus calls Thomas to follow him. Um, but I, I thought that was just a cool way to introduce Thomas into the Twelve that you don't hear about in the scriptures. Because in the scriptures, he just kind of shows up. Um, but the, the chosen is just so creative in how they do those things. Because some of the apostles' backstories in the scriptures, yeah. some you don't. And right. they just guess and take. And it's, it's biblical fiction is what it is. But it's based very, very intentionally on the words that we do have, what we do know. Yeah. So, yeah, like, very educated guesses. Like Father Tom said, watch it. Watch, watch it. it. It's... it's but don't also, don't watch it and be like, well, that's the gospel, and don't, you still read the gospel. Yeah, read the gospels. It's not gospel. <laughs> and uh, some of the stories, some of the way that they tell things, it's, you know, you got to separate what is kind of helpful to understand the character, and it's just all guesswork from what we actually But it actually happened, yeah. And inspired, and what we know is true. So. But speaking of Thomas, that's what we're going to talk about today here on Ed Talks. We hope to inspire saints who will inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen, as he said. Christos Anesti. Alitos Anesti. Alitos Anesti. Where, you know, he, poor Thomas, he gets a bad rap uh, for asking one question one time. Um, Understandable. And he's, I know, right? I mean... No one else has risen themselves from the dead. Now, granted, I know we can, you know, yeah, Jesus rose Lazarus, Jesus rose the Jairus' daughter, Jesus rose the widow's son, but Jesus rose himself, and that had not been done before. So it's quite understandable that Thomas would go, I don't know, guys. And, he, and he, he, he called it too, which is really, it's like Babe Ruth calling a shot, right? Like Jesus, like the whole script is like, in three days, I'm going to do this. And then like he does it. Yeah. So, but even still, like you said, nobody's ever done this before. No one's done it before. And it was very plausible. Like, okay, all these people wanted to kill him. So how do we know they didn't just steal his body and burn him or desecrate his body? You know, that could have happened. So it's understandable that Thomas would go, you know, I... And then, you know, he's, I mean, and he was with a crazy group of people, you know. I mean, and he had to think, you know, okay, maybe, maybe you saw an angel. Maybe you didn't see an angel. I don't know what you saw. I don't know whose wine you've been drinking. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it, you know. Yeah. And he also, and I'll give Thomas this credit. 
I don't think him saying, I don't believe it, so I put my finger through the nail marks and put my hand in his side. I don't think he was saying that as sarcastically as we often read it in the scriptures. I think, and we'll see what the chosen does in five years from now, and they, four years from now, and they get to this, this season. Um, I think Thomas was saying that knowing that Christ would show himself to the apostles. Like, okay, Thomas may remember, all right, I remember he said, on the third day I'll rise, I will come back for you and take you to myself. Um, where I am, you also will be. Uh, I think he remembers Jesus saying these things. So I would, I would think that Thomas would be of the, of the mindset of, if he really did rise, he will come and show himself to us. Because he showed us walking on water, he calmed the storm, he healed the sick, he touched lepers, he called Matthew, then why wouldn't he also do this? And I think Thomas trusted enough to say, like, if I ask for it, it will be given. Because Jesus said, who asks their father for a fish and is handed a loaf of, or, or asks for a loaf of bread and is handed a rock, or asks for a fish and is handed a snake. Like, Thomas, I think, also may have trusted enough to say, if I ask for this gift to know that I, I can do this, that touches his hands and his feet, then, you know, I'll, I'll know it's, it's really him. Because why wouldn't he answer that? Yeah, I think... This and Jesus does. He's disappointed that that's what Thomas asked for. But, but he does it. I and Thomas, I think, knew that he would. Yeah, this would be where a lack of... This, this is where a, a great understanding of scriptural language would be so cool to really yeah. look at the text and be like, what are some of the nuances? Because you've got to just translate what right. Thomas said into modern-day English so we can understand it, but there's got to be nuance there. So, yeah, they really get a sense of what was what was that statement saying? Because what we hear is, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's John 20, verse 25. But what is, what's the context? What's the linguistic context of that saying? Yeah. So... Anyway, that's an I don't think it's quite as sarcastic as we would believe. Well, but of course we get doubting Thomas, right? That's I think it's a bad rap. Don't be a doubting Thomas. But I want to go back to the day of where we had a confirmation mass, which was was Passion Sunday. The fifth, not every year, but this past year was Passion Sunday, which happened to be the fifth. Well, Passion Sunday is always the fifth Sunday of Lent, the Sunday before Palm Sunday. The, the beginning of Passion Tide, where we first covered the statues that are now Easter season uncovered. Uncovered, and with flowers everywhere. Yeah. So, and in that long gospel, which is so long that typically we hear the shorter version, you miss Thomas getting his great moment because this is when the Jews have already the, the leaders of the Jewish people have already attempted to stone Jesus. They've already attempted to kill him. Lazarus is sick. And dying. Jesus knows that. He's, they've, they've left Jerusalem. Right? He passed through their midst and, and escaped their, their murderous intent. And what does he do? He's like, all right, gotta go back. Gotta go back. Like, what are you talking about? Like, literally, they say, the, the disciples say to him, Rabbi, the Jews are just trying to stone you and you wanna go back there? Like, that's literally yep. what they say to him. And he's like, yeah, I'm going. And they're freaking out. And then what does Thomas say? So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, 
let us also go to die with him. Let's hear your take. This Sunday, you're going to hear this gospel. Divine Mercy Sunday. If, if you're watching or listening to this podcast before the Sunday, immediately after Easter, uh, that's Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, it's a great day. It is. A great day to focus on mercy and the mercy of God. And, and this is the gospel that the church gives us, is yes. this story. And, it, and, and it's a beautiful gospel, no matter whatever Sunday we ever hear it from, because I think it changes every year. Um, but this, this particular Sunday of, of this divine mercy, knowing that Jesus will always give us his mercy, even if uh, we, we ask dumb questions. <laughs> um, but it's, it also see the beauty in that when Christ comes to Thomas and he, he shows up and, you know, it says that Jesus just was, showed up through the locked doors and he's appearing there now in front of them. So he walks through walls and yet his body is still physical in that they're able to put their hands through through his, his uh, put their finger through his, the nail marks and hand on the side. Um, and then Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful image that the Father will always give us his mercy, even though we don't deserve it, even though we sin, even though all these other factors are in play. The Father is always giving us his mercy. And we are then called to go out and give that mercy to others and to share that mercy with others so that they can experience the Father's mercy. And we got to, but we have to respond to it, right? We do, of course, yeah. I always have to respond. He's, he's willing and, and wants to and will, in fact, pour his mercy out. Amen. Pour his grace out to us. But it's, it's a gift that we don't deserve, but it's one that comes to us every day, every moment grace is given to us, and yet it's not forced upon us, right? Mm-hmm. God always proposes, he never imposes. Yeah. And so I love that, that, Look at Thomas, like Jesus comes to him, right? Jesus says to him, and again, Jesus wasn't physically there when Thomas said that to the apostles, when he gives this famous doubting quote, and yet the first thing Jesus said, first thing Jesus says, peace be with you. Like, Stop freaking out. Yeah, yeah, I am. I just walked through a wall. It's I'm peace, here. Peace, chill. Abracadabra. Yeah. No, <laughs> no abracadabra. Yeah. Chill out, dudes. Chill out. Uh, and then he looks right to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Yeah. See my hands. Bring your hand. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Again, as Jesus proposing, do not be unbelieving, but believe. And again, I, 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 I don't think Thomas said that sarcastically, and I don't think Jesus is doing it sarcastically either. He's, he's meeting Thomas where he's at. Like, Thomas was at a point of, I trust that the Lord will answer this prayer if it's true, and Jesus answers the prayer because it's true. So I don't think either of them are being as sarcastic as we can often read those. Um, and there's a beauty there, too, that, that God, that Christ, who is God, meets us exactly where we're at. If we're at a point of saying, Lord, I just need, I need this to happen to increase my faith, my hope, my love, to these virtues that we've been talking about in the last few podcasts, the Lord will meet us there um, and, and draw us into a deeper communion with himself. Yep. And even still, some people will not accept that, right? Oh, yeah. Unlike, let's go back to that moment, of, of that beautiful moment of mercy. There's an absolutely breathtaking painting by Caravaggio. Mm, captures this. Yes. And it's so cool because Christ's hand, he doesn't just like, say, check it out. 
He is guiding yeah. Thomas, physically guiding Thomas's hand into his sack. It's like... It's beautiful. Oh, it's awesome. So if you get a chance, look up Caravaggio's uh, Christ and Thomas, or the Doubting Thomas. I don't remember the exact name yeah. of it. It's by Caravaggio. Caravaggio. Look up any Gorgeous. It's going to be awesome. Con and Matthews. Well, anyway, yeah. Yeah, oh, Con Matthews is my favorite. Um, but then, what does Thomas do? And, and this is the cool thing, because the gospel doesn't actually say that Thomas touches Jesus. Even though mm, the, okay. the painting Christ says, here, let's go. Yeah. I've got your hand, don't worry. I'll, you want this, I've got you. But the gospel doesn't. The gospel says, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. It, it, is, it is entirely, in my mind, unlike Caravaggio, which I, I love Caravaggio, but in my mind, Thomas is like, I don't even need to do that. Mm. I recognize, you know, it's this profound response to that graceful, merciful invitation for Christ, mm. from Christ to Thomas to believe, and he, he does. Amen. And I think so many people, I, one of these things that is cool, uh, it's a cool, it's totally personal devotion, but it helps helps me. I do it, I don't know when I started doing it, but I, I've started, is at the moment of consecration when the priest elevates the consecrated host just to kind of bow your head and say, my Lord and my God, like, to yeah. say that quietly. Some, some cultures actually say it out loud. Like there are people that will say that my Lord and my God, they'll say it three times. Yeah, we don't do that in America. We don't do it in America. It is a totally personal, private devotion. Yeah. It's not, not recommended. But it's a beautiful one. But it's a, it's a nice way, again, to physically, to physically kind of articulate the reality that is hard for us to see and comprehend. Just like for Thomas, it's hard for him to comprehend the reality of a risen Christ. Yeah, but Jesus rose yeah. himself from the dead. <laughs> Never been done before. So. But that's the good news that we're called to go out and to proclaim. That's the Evangelion. <laughs> keep going with, I know I mispronounced that. But that's another Greek. It's all Greek to me. But that's what we're called to go out and proclaim, that, that Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the good news. That's what we are evangelizing for, that he has risen as he said, and we too will rise if we follow him faithfully. Um, and if... To help us with the faithful part, that's what the sacraments are for, that's what our prayer life is for, that's what the church, the, the corporate body of Christ is for, that we can all work together to follow Jesus so that we too can rise from the dead. And those virtues that it's that all about. about during Lent, those, yes. are the way, those are those muscles that you got to build up so that you can be led and drawn into this. This mercy. Pick a couple of people that you do see at church, introduce yourself, and make it a point. Not You don't have to do it to 50 people. But get to know two or three. Maybe you didn't know. Before. That just builds up the body of Christ here now. Yeah, come downstairs for hospitality. Don't, yes. don't I mean, we, got, we all got lives to live. But if you can make it every month or once a couple, you know, just come downstairs. Meet your fellow parishioners. Because we all, that evangelization can start. That's low-hanging fruit, right? Yeah, like low-hanging. You just build that community here and that radiates outward. It and does. people will see it. They, that's what people say. Is that man? And then you'll be more easy to invite people into this beautiful community that we have already established, yeah. and that you're helping to continue. Meet my friends. These are my friends. Amen. From from, from Saint Ed's, or from whatever parish you find yourself, because I know we've got listeners. Yeah, do it at your parish too. Yeah. <laughs> Why my Saint Ed's people to do it? But your pastors and other parishes will appreciate it as well. Yeah. Evangelize. Tell the good news. He is risen. Christos Anesti. All the toast Anesti. Ali toast Anesti. Ali toast. Ali toast. I think you got it. 
Friends, I'm Father Dominic, and this is Ed Talks, where we hope to inspire saints who will inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.